Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Got a great guest today, my friend Jacob Gossel, host of Awake, Aware, Alive. It's a podcast you could find everywhere on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, on all the podcast places. Jacob is an interesting dude. He's a musician, he's an artist, fantastic artist. He makes a lot of really cool cover art. You could check out all that stuff at Jacob Gossel, G O S S E L. Com. Awake, Aware, Alive is the name of the podcast. He's got all of his podcasts up there with his beautiful cover art. Sophia Rockland, the wonderful Sophia Rockland, was uh, his latest guest. And he's had Charles Eisenstein. He's had uh, Mitch Schultz. He's had Jen Sodini, of course, Corey Allen, Ramin Nazer, Michael Phillip, uh, just to name a few. Some people that we know and love around here as well. So Jacob's awesome. I met him through the Isolation Tank series that we were doing, the live stream through uh, Evolve and Ascend and DMT, the Spirit Molecule during the lockdown phase of the pandemic. And that was really fun. That was really interesting. Met a lot of wonderful people through that. And, uh, And Jacob and I have sort of noticed each other in the podcast space and been like, ah, I kind of like what you're, what you're doing over there. Okay, cool. So I was really happy when we got to sit down and actually talk and, uh, and I hope you guys are going to enjoy this one. So if you're interested in, uh, what Jacob's doing, go check it out. Jacobgossel.com, G O S S E L. And, uh, and, and give him a, give him a listen, give him a shout, check out his art, check out his music and all that good stuff. Thanks to everybody that leaves ratings and reviews on Apple podcasts. If you've never done anything for the show ever and you listen, just uh, take three seconds out of your day if you can to go and just click five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, click five stars if you think the show deserves five stars. That would be wonderful. Uh, if you have feedback, if you want to tell me things, please message me. I'm open. I, I am uh, not rigid in any way. I'm open to hearing people's feedback. So uh, message me if there's something that I said on the show that you didn't like, that you disagreed with. You know, I get these messages sometimes and I'm, I'm down to engage. I'm down to, to have a healthy uh, conversation. I, I no way in, in any way want to uh, appear that, that I'm like off limits in, in that capacity. Totally open. Sometimes it might take me a little bit to get back to you, especially if it's a long message, but know that they're welcomed and, uh, and it's good to hear the feedback. You know, I've actually gotten a few, um, uh, people that have said the intros are too long. So that's making me consider doing different, a different style. Like, I don't think I'm going to do these intro in the beginning of the shows anymore. I think we're just going to hop right into the show because it's really about the content. You know, it's not about the, uh, the, the format or, or any of that kind of stuff. That's not really what this podcast is about. So with that in mind, we're going to keep this one really short, but I just want to say that we have 296 five-star ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. It would be wonderful to get to 300. That would make me feel really good. That would make the show bump up in the rankings and the ratings, get more people involved and in listening. But I recently checked out this website called Chartable, and they show that Mike Adelic actually has 368 ratings and um, and reviews. And uh, I noticed that I think they're not showing the ones on Apple Podcasts that are from other countries. So I just want to give a big shout out to all the people out there from Canada, from New Zealand, from Finland, from Norway, from uh, Israel, from Sweden, from Germany, from the UK, Great Britain. Uh, I see your, your comments. I see your reviews in here. I see your uh, feedback. 
Uh, thank you so much to all of you, every single one of you. And if you want to go a step further, you can go onto my Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Mike Brank, B-R-A-N-C. And you become a patron. You, you become, you can become. Uh, I will bestow you with patronage to this show. Uh, and at $5 a month, that's when you get bonus episodes, early access releases, the Discord chat community. And uh, we're going to be thinking about a lot of fun things to do uh, coming up uh, with, with that. And um, one of the things I do want to do is have like a group Zoom chat. I want to get you people involved. If you want to get in and have a conversation and jam you know, we're going to have mind jams. I was doing these live shows, these mind jams in Denver. I want to start bringing that more to the virtual space and get you guys that are listening involved. Uh, get a guest on. Start asking asking them questions. Say I have Charles Eisenstein come on the pod. You know, we'll do a podcast and then we'll do a special bonus uh, segment for the patrons uh, and, uh, and, and have a little Q&A portion of that. So just some ideas that I'm tinkering with, but I'm thinking of, of ways that I can give more. And um, yeah, apologies if I've been a little scattered. You know, I've been outside a lot this summer. I've been uh, vacationing. I've been having trips. I've been camping. I've been off the grid. I've been out of cell service areas. I've been unplugged. And it's been wonderful. It's been great. But uh, now we're, we're, we're moving into the fall. Work is getting, getting done. We're going to have a lot of uh, cool stuff coming up. So that's pretty much it. Check out studentloantutor.com, Zach Geist, the Zeitgeist podcast, Student Loan Tutor. If you have debt, if you have student loan debt, check out studentloantutor.com. Go there, uh, you know, request to have a, a consultation. Tell them you heard about it from Mike Adelic, the, the Mike Brancatelli podcast. There's no offer code or any of that kind of stuff. So make sure you tell them this is just a reciprocal gift economy type of thing that we have going here. They've helped me out a tremendous amount with my debt, with my financial situation, and I'm trying to give back by promoting to them. So shout out to Zach. Zach, I love you, buddy. You're the man. Zach Geist, studentloantutor.com. Please go check them out. If you have any kind of debt, especially student loan debt, uh, student loan debt is what they primarily work with. So just reach out to them and they're willing to have a conversation with you to see if they can resolve your issues. And that's, that's it. There's no more sponsors. We're going to have more sponsors, but I'm going to keep that a secret because we got some awesome ones. We got some awesome sponsors. We got some awesome ideas. And uh, yeah, I want to hear from you. Uh, message me. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you like about the show. Tell me what's good. Give me your feedback. You don't have to sugarcoat it. You don't have to make it nice. Just uh, shoot me a text and say, I like this. I like that. I don't like that. Well, a, a message. Uh, you know, um, Mikeadelic underscore podcast on Instagram and mikeadelicpod at gmail.com. I'm thinking about doing a newsletter. I have never done one because I personally hate emails. I don't open them. I don't open anybody's emails. I've never seen an email once that I've been like, ooh, this is interesting. I, I personally think emails are kind of going the way of the dinosaur. I don't know. But, uh, but who knows? With censorship and all this kind of stuff, there's other platforms like Telegram and email and Signal and, and these other places. So we'll, we'll try and look into stuff like that. Okay, so that's like announcements, all right, and the guest and stuff. And let's just get into it with Jacob Gossel, Awake, Aware. Alive is the podcast. Let's get into this chat with Jacob. Psychedelics are illegal, not because a loving government is concerned that you may jump out of a third-story window 
psychedelics are illegal because they dissolve opinion structures and culturally laid down models of behavior and information processing. They open to us the possibility that everything we know is wrong. We don't need new laws that control our consciousness and rigidly place it in a prison. Cognitive liberty. The fact that as adults, if we're not hurting anybody else, we should have the right to explore the contours of our own consciousness without any mediation or legislation on the part of somebody else. Reject authority. Authority is a lie. Voice of perception. Information is power, but we have to seize, seize the opportunity. The opportunity. The opportunity. Yeah, how's it been for you? Uh, what you're in Minnesota, right? Yep, that's yeah. right. Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, I was moving, so I lived in Minneapolis. I've lived in Minneapolis since like 2012 in the city, you know, not downtown, but right in the city area. And I enjoyed it for a handful of years and uh, progressively was getting more and more burnt out on this kind of city environment. Um, and covid was actually a great excuse to want to leave and so i made plans to move and right as i was moving is when the protests the big protests and the looting were all going on not too far from where i was at so yeah. uh, but i didn't you know i didn't really see much of it uh like it wasn't it was in a pretty you know pretty confined area you know it didn't spread out too much but then like the last kind of day I was moving out, you could tell that businesses were starting to preemptively kind of board up their their windows and everything. So it was looking pretty uh, Mad Max-ish down there for a little while. And I haven't really been down and around the city too much. I know it's still kind of been pretty chaotic in some, in some ways, but I'm I'm doing all right. Got out of the city, which is nice. Uh, started a garden and trying to learn some like homesteading type stuff you know yeah dude i i'm doing I'm, my mind is in the same place i haven't moved out of the city yet but i guess i mean one of my intentions was i lived in new york city for eight years and then mm. you know I, I was like enough of that you know i went to the i went to peru i lived in the jungle for a little bit i came back and i was like no 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 fuck this and mm -hmm. i decided colorado denver denver would be like uh, you know, it was like my, me dipping my toes into like a smaller city, you know, before I exit into the wilderness, grow a beard and start making <laughs> my own honey. But I, I'm feeling that, you know, I got a, I got a garden at my house. Um, we got like pumpkins and zucchini and squash and mint. I mean, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm, I'm, um, my mind is just going there. Like my girlfriend and I are now are thinking about, you know, we just got back from a camping trip down in southwestern Colorado, like uh, Uray, Telluride area. And okay. we're just like, man, it's so nice down here. Like, what, why are we in the city? Like, let's just, let's get out. I want to just build a home and, like, grow things and hunt things and fish things. Exactly, <laughs> dude. That's exactly where my head's at. And it's tough because you kind of, there's a, there's certainly a bit of idealization in it. Yeah. For me, anyways, like I can tell, like, okay, you're kind of romanticizing this a bit, 
but at the same time it just feels like totally necessary you know like not right in this moment but like from my perspective i don't see things in the future getting any less chaotic at least for probably you know 10 years or something five but, but jacob it's all love and light <laughs> yeah. yeah just think positive vibes man yeah yeah well <laughs> you could do that when you're out you know on a piece of land with an earth ship and you're it's going to be plenty of positive vibes but yeah i don't know i just see like all the structures that we've relied on for a sense of stability and certainty are like obviously not coping with the complexity of of the changing times of the internet and all the technology and so yeah i definitely see covid and and even the protests and the riots seem sort of like the tip of the iceberg to me and hopefully i'm wrong in some way but that's kind of how it feels and so for me and also, even before that stuff, like, I personally, before COVID even hit, I was feeling this, like, deep sense of just, like, disconnection with what it means to be a human being, you know? Like, all of these weird abstract things that we do to sustain our life. Like, okay, so I'm on a computer making a thing, and I send it to somebody, and they send me digital currency, and then I go and buy something from a store, I don't know the person at the store, you know, like so much of living is just abstraction where I just started to feel like I want to go catch a fish and cook it or have a garden or all of these things that are just so basic to human life, like growing and hunting food that we just seem to have put by the wayside, which I understand why, you know, it's kind of a necessary step in development, but I feel like we're kind of getting to this crescendo with technology and abstraction to where it's like before we continue on this path we kind of need to go back to the basics you know what i mean like heal some of our wounds reorient to like why we're doing all this stuff you know like why are we making faster and faster computers and crazy internet and should we be doing it and if we're going to do it like what's the point you know what i mean like because I feel like up until now, it's just pure momentum. Like, there's no intention behind why we're doing all this stuff. It's, like, a lot of it is obviously, like, this individual success-oriented, like, capitalistic. And I'm not even trying to, like, hate on that stuff. It's just a part of, you know, human development. But I feel like we're reaching a point where we're seeing the the harms of that sort of motivation and we kind of have to like change course and 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 just re you know regain some of these old ways like things that even our grandparents did you know like knowing how to can food and have a cellar and have chickens and it's just like you know which to me sounds awesome so yeah i i'm i'm pretty much useless if there was a you know i mean some some of these Places in the in the states right now look like war zones, you know, look like dystopian. I mean, Portland, for one, and, you know, the Kenosha, Wisconsin incident. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. And you're like, well, shit, I don't know how to, like, make a tourniquet or, you know, I, I don't know. I don't have any yeah. survival, like, real-world, tangible, actual, direct experience with uh, you know, altering my reality in, 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 in harmony and symbiosis with like the earth and the environment. Like I don't have that. It's all abstraction. Mm -hmm. You're right. It's all, it's all abstraction. Now I'm learning it 
and I'm loving it. Like, yeah. and I think back about my, my upbringing and it's like, I've always liked to do things with my hands. I'd always like to climb into a tree and, you know, make something and, and do things like that. And, but yeah, this is why I wanted to talk to you because I feel like I've noticed that your perspective is sort of aligned with my perspective a little bit in a lot of the, and there's a lot of other people that, you know, there's, there's so many different perspectives, but I guess like whatever you want to call what we're in the psychedelic consciousness, spirituality yeah. thing, uh, there's a lot, there's like some like techno utopianism, there's some like, you know, spiritual love and light, positive vibes yeah. kind of thing. And then there's sort of like where you and I are standing and you put that meme up the other day well, like that, that I liked and it was like the, the government holding up their, their COVID story oh, yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> you know, because I, I was quite surprised and I thought this was a dividing line. Like it was like, I was quite surprised, like the... I didn't know who to look to, you know, uh, because a lot of the people that I was that I would like trusting and looking to for information were not really aligning with what I was kind of like feeling, yep. you know, the, the feeling that I was getting and this sort of feeling that I always have, which is like, you know, we live in a, a, a very like c crazy place with a lot of crazy people that will do a lot <laughs> of crazy things. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know, maybe you can like talk a little bit about about that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I'll just say I know you've interviewed some people on your show too about this recently, right? Yeah. Um, well, I would say like, well, quick before I touch on some of that stuff, I wanted to say that uh, you're talking about the these cities being like war zones, and and to me, like, it, this is a, obviously a big black hole to get into. Um, yeah, let's dive into it. But. Like, to me, it feels like with both COVID and the racial stuff, and I in no way want to downplay any, like, racial inequality or whatever, but to me, like, these riots and these protests, because there there's protests happening about coronavirus stuff, too, and lockdowns, and, and there was protests happening before coronavirus, huge protests all over the world that yeah. people just didn't hear about. And, right. like, from my perspective, this is all just symptoms of this change in human, like, value systems you know i don't know if you're familiar with the work like spiral dynamics and stuff but uh, i'm actually not i know you you brought that up I, I was interested yeah please please share a little bit about that yeah i'm a big fan of, of this model called spiral dynamics and i probably won't do a great job like you know giving a rundown of it so i would encourage anybody who's interested to just check it out um i have a guy steve mcdonald come on my podcast he's been on a couple times and he'll be on again he's kind of a of a friend and he's out in australia and he's does a lot of work around spiral dynamics and it's something where i think when you're kind of ready for it it just blows your mind and you just kind of really it just resonates you know like essentially it's the idea of that human it's it's like a developmental psychology model so it sounds kind of woo woo with the name spiral and like some of the you know it can seem kind of like out there but really it's a pretty pretty grounded model of, of psychological development and it works on an individual level but also on a collective level and it's basically just the idea that we move through these kind of set patterns of human development different systems value systems you know starting as an infant where we're we're just based based on survival and getting our basic needs met and it progresses through kind of like a power dynamic stage where we really want to have you know power over other people and assert our individuality and our dominance and it kind of continues 
forward to where we are now, which is layer five of this model, which is like an individualistic, uh, you know, like the industrial revolution was kind of like the start of this layer. And it's mostly based on like the biggest values are individual success um, and having a lot of choices and like picking the best thing. And there, there are other um, qualities to it, but the kind of the most obvious one is this individual success oriented thing, which you can see all around us. I mean, Instagram is a great example of everybody is all about themselves and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's part of this journey. It's not about saying one layer is better than the other. They're all necessary. It's just like growing up at a certain age, you learn certain skills. Mm -hmm. You grow, you kind of grow beyond those skills. You don't, look back on them and say, well, that was stupid. Like learning how to eat from a spoon was stupid. You should eat from (laughs) this other thing or whatever. But the idea is that, um, as, so you've got basically two variables, you've got your life conditions and you've got your value system. And when they meet up, like when your value system is in harmony with the life conditions, you feel good, you know, things feel in balance but as your life conditions complexify, your value systems can't cope with the complexity of your life conditions. And um, you start to feel shitty and you don't really know why. You know, you wake up one day and you kind of feel like crummy and you're just trying to think like, well, what's different? You know, like, and lots of times what happens is um, people try to think back to a time when they used to feel good. And they'll think about old value systems. So you see this regression, which you see happening right now too. Like make America great again is a perfect example of like, we need to go back. And even you and I, what we're talking about with re, you know, coming up with these older things of like food preservation and gardening, that's sort of a similar deal of like looking back to older times when things worked better. So that's kind of a natural part, and that does fulfill some things, but it actually increases that tension between, because your life conditions are very complex, and instead of, like, moving forward to meet the life conditions, you're kind of going backwards and increasing the difference between the complexity. Um, and so that kind of propels things forward even faster to this to the next set of values. Is this making sense for, at all? For Yeah. So it propels things forward to the next set of values for yourself individually, or is this it's for both. the collective? Yeah. So it, it's like a feedback yeah. loop of both. And so, you know, there's all sorts of people around the world that are at different value systems right yeah. now. You oh, know, yeah. like yeah. there are still people in the sort of like um, hunter-gatherer values, you know, that layer still in the on the planet. But it kind of goes by the dominant paradigm and the dominant paradigm is that layer five, like industrial, you know, personal, um, individual success kind of oriented layer. And so, but, um, what we're moving towards is the layer six, which based on the research of this guy, Claire W. Graves, who came up with this whole thing and it's all research based. He studied all these students. He was, a um, he was a professor and layer six value systems were shown to be all about like the number one important thing for layer six is deep human connection. So like people want to get off screens, they want to meet people in person, they want to meet face to face. 
They don't just want small talk. They want to connect deeply. They want to heal past trauma. They want to like decentralize. Um, they want local agriculture, you know, like things become localized. They're all about community. Um, and so you kind of see that, you know, um, you're seeing that like, and in some ways we're kind of being forced into it, Mm. I think, you know, which I think will continue as these bigger systems fail. Mm -hmm. We'll have no choice but to connect with community, you know, to, to form resilient communities to be able to get through this chaos, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, so basically the idea is, um, there's, he found two tiers in this system. And so the first six layers are part of this first tier of human development. And what he found was that after the first six tiers, there's like a jump that is monumental in human coping capacity from this layer six to layer seven and layer seven is like an integrated. So the first six layers alternate between left brain and right brain dominance and masculine and feminine type of energies. So like it goes from an individualistic based on one side, which would be like change the world to fit your preferences to a communal based, which is change yourself to fit in with the community and they alternate. So like we're going from now an individualistic base back to a communal base. It's sort of this jump from layer six still kind of has those themes to some extent from six to seven, but it's really about like you being able to utilize both hemispheres of the brain, sort of integrating masculine and feminine, you know, being able to hold paradoxes being able to understand like complex systems thinking. And so it really kind of takes human coping capacity to a whole new level and the ability to like solve problems and, and actually see the layers in action. So looking at problems in the world, you don't just think like, God, what's up with these mega people? You know, they're so stupid. Like you actually see, Oh, they're functioning from this layer. And that's why they're feeling like this and the only thing we can do to help them change is to actually change their life conditions you know so for for example if people who are supporting trump are actually doing so because they think he's going to help them get a job then maybe the goal is to find some people meaningful work not to like you know criticize them for buying into a sleazy politician or whatever right right so are the are these layers cyclical like have and and historical have we gone through these before and well that's where it kind of gets interesting and I don't know exactly what like people think about this like Steve for example like a lot of this is based on like you can map it out to like you know from hunter gatherer civilizations to where we are now but what I think is interesting is considering like well, what about like ancient history and what about alternative history, which is coming out more and more every day and being validated to, to have a large amount of accuracy, like, um, you know, pre-Diluvian, pre-flood civilizations, uh, even like Atlantis, you know, there's a lot of evidence for a civilization like Atlantis to have been like a real civilization. And so, you know, 
who knows? It would be pure <laughs> speculation, obviously, but I I don't know. It, it would make sense to me if like these older civilization civilizations were actually like a tier in somewhere on the tier two type, you know, level where they were functioning just at a totally different level and the these catastrophes like the floods actually sort of kind of reset everything and we you know kind of had to restart through that whole journey but yeah it kind of reminds me of um uh michio kaku's like type type Mm. zero type one civilization and yeah uh you know the stages and yeah there's a lot of different you know, recently I was rereading Prometheus Rising by Robert Anton Wilson. He talks about Timothy Leary's eight circuit model mm. of consciousness, the bio survival circuit, and okay. Um, and then there's the integral uh, integral thinkers, and and there, you know, Jeremy Johnson, who I was talking to the other day, and it's just like, man, that guy just blows my mind. I don't know how to like, I can't keep up with him. Like, yeah, <laughs> just some of that integral stuff. Um actually ties in spiral dynamics so like ken wilbur yeah he took the spiral dynamics model and added his own kind of flair to it so yeah i would definitely check it out i think you would really like it because it's you know on one hand like there are people that theorize around it or whatever but really it's not even a theory it's basically just an evidence-based thing which i mean i'm sure people would have arguments against it but uh, I don't know. It really resonates with me and you can just see it play out. And it really helps you kind of understand like what's going on in the world. You know? I think that, yeah, I think that's really, really helpful. I mean, I, I recently did a solo podcast called reality tunnels and yeah. where I was sort of, sort of touching on the, a similar kind of thing, but without any knowledge of, of this stuff. And, and I guess maybe coming from other places, I always find it pretty interesting that, that, you know, sometimes I can arrive at a place or anybody can arrive at a, a place that's kind of similar to the arrival that somebody else gets to, but just with a different set, different models and different information. Definitely. So it's like, there's definitely, that kind of makes me feel like there's some truth to it. Exactly. It's like, wow, we're all kind of like chipping at the same block, just in different locations or with different tools. Exactly. And that's why it's funny because I start to hear people say things about, oh yeah, you know, like we need decentralized currency or we need you know all these things and it's like oh yeah that's like a layer six you know you can just start to see it around you and um even like the reality tunnels thing like that whole concept of how we're all feeling like everybody's living in a different reality you know like not everybody but you know like you and i probably have similar uh perceptions about this whole covid situation and then there's other people even that i know you and i are close to or have you know communicated with through the podcast that might see things like completely different but it's like to them that's their reality too you know and and in some ways this whole like i don't think it's all that's all because of this this layers thing from the spiral dynamics but that's one example of how you can see that like when people are functioning at different value systems they see the world completely different you know like they emphasize different things like um yeah. You know, from one thing that you can kind of see happening is uh, people are so isolated from this individualistic oriented way of living that and and all these like I think past traumas and things are coming up for people that it feels so dangerous to be like um, canceled, you know, pushed out of community and you know, extricated by your tribe that you will change your opinions and your 
beliefs to fit the with what other people think you should believe just so that you're not put into that situation that feels like potential death you know do you know what i'm trying to say i i do know what you're trying to say yeah and and i um I've definitely felt this myself and I didn't even realize that I was feeling it, you know, because um, I, I sort of had this idea. I came from a political podcast that was that I did and I was very like hardcore libertarian. Mm-hmm. And I guess I would still sort of identify with that sort of general core ethos, yeah. um, but not like the party or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and, I, and, you know, I went from being like a militant, aggressive, atheist libertarian to like traveling through the psychedelic consciousness milieu and taking different parts and plugging it in. But there was a part of me that goes, okay, like I want to, I want to, you know, Charles Eisenstein does a great job of this. I think this is why I, I, I admire him a lot is because he's able to really sort of put a lot of ideas out there that I resonate with and that mm-hmm. I believe in, but he doesn't do it in a way where he's like beating you over the head with it. Yeah. You know, and and that was something that I had to sort of navigate through. And I think to overcompensate for that, I was like, well, I don't want to say this because that could be too aggressive. So and then I'll be like shunned. You know, so it's kind of figuring out this the mode of communication and the style of information dissemination. Um yeah. With stepping on eggshells sometimes a little bit. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, something that I've found, and I still don't feel super confident to put my, all my deepest, you know, opinions and beliefs out there. And sometimes I don't even know what they are. Oh, no, oh, neither do are. I, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just an idiot. Yeah. So that's, that's my, my, <laughs> just like, I'm willing to make a fool out of myself. <laughs> yeah. But something I've helped that I think has helped me feel a little bit more willing to like kind of put, risk it you know, is just like having a good community around you in real life, you know, like in actual human space, like to have, yeah, yeah, to have like deep close bonds with friends and stuff, because then, you know, like, Hey, if I get ridiculed on the internet or I get canceled by this online community, like I still have my friends, you know, like, and, uh, I think being kind of isolated, in a, like a city on your own or something can make that a little more tough, you know, like you maybe are more willing to bend to fit the, the narrative because, you know, you don't want to feel like, Hey, I'm getting, uh, kind of like kicked out of the tribe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, the, the COVID stuff has just been like so weird so like mind blowing for me to see i mean just to be frank like the idea that people are still taking it so seriously is a, kind of a hard thing for me to wrap my head around sometimes but it is it though or like <laughs> because i guess i you i i kind of know where you're coming from with that it's like real like really guys really like we're still but considering you know, the history of psychological warfare, narrative warfare, mass manipulation, propaganda, you know, deep state, CIA, COINTEL, all the kind, all this craziness. It's like, man, there's, there's a lot of crazy shit happening out there. And and a lot of people are just busy working and busy enjoying their life that they don't have time to be aware. Yeah. They're not, they're not awake, (laughs) aware, and they're not really alive. Barely alive. (laughs) Yeah. But they think they are, yeah. You know, to some degree, and so 
that's the part of it where I used to get mad a lot. I used to be like, damn it. Like, what the fuck? Like, why, how, why is this happening? Why are so many people buying into this? But then you see it. You see how quickly it all normal. It became so normal. Yeah. Within weeks of the pandemic, it was like just that re- repetitive stay home, stay home, stay home, wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. And now it's just like, you know, it's just everywhere you go. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, I've gone down the deepest rabbit holes. I mean, I'm sure you could find some slightly deeper stuff, but I've got definitely gone to the points where like, I feel super paranoid, you know, and then you kind of allow yourself to feel that and you release it. And then you can kind of like see more clearly and you can take certain things that actually make sense. And you can leave certain things that are probably just pure paranoid nonsense, you know, like, and so you get into the stuff where people... It's fun are, being paranoid. <laughs> you get into the stuff where people are talking about, like, every movie and every TV show is pure, just like predictive programming to try to prepare us for such and such. And I think there is some truth to that. Like, I don't think it's all like that by no means. And I think some of it is just collective unconscious, you know, subconscious things coming out. But there definitely is real, like, there are you know, Operation Mockingbird style, like they've proven, I'm sure there's Pentagon people, CIA people working within the entertainment industry that put certain ideas in. And so just the other day I was watching an episode of Parks and and Rec. I hadn't seen it before. So I was kind of been watching through some of those seasons. And there was an episode where they had an emergency preparedness drill. And it was all about like an outbreak of a virus. And, you know, like that's some of how I think people are so hooked is like this has been pushed for so long whether it's you know collective unconscious stuff or whether it's predictive programming or probably some combination of both in certain ways but this idea of like some scary novel virus spreading over the earth and wiping out tons of people has just been like put into people's minds so heavily you know, and that's not to say that there is never any outbreak of, you know, diseases, but, you know, if we were even, if this was half of what they said it would would have been at the start, or even half of what people are still kind of, like, acting like it would be, we would see people around us, like, dying and go, being hospitalized, and... I'm sure there are plenty of people who would just like rip me apart for even saying this right now. Oh, yeah. Because they're like, oh, yeah, well, I saw so-and-so go to the hospital or whatever. But it just seems to me like some of what I'm seeing has been like uh, almost like a marketing campaign. Mm -hmm. Like taking things that normally happen, which is people dying every day, thousands of people dying every day of of respiratory illnesses and flu-like illnesses. Yeah. And basically... Like fourth leading cause of death, I think. And like and, remarketing it, yeah. you know, rebranding it and putting it out as though it's like some super novel thing that nobody's ever seen before. And every day there's a different symptom and very non-linear warfare type news coverage of like every day there's some like conflicting thing. Masks are good. Masks aren't good. The tests are accurate. The tests are super inaccurate. You know, like, there's this symptom. There's that symptom. Asymptomatic people spread it. Oh, no, they don't. Oh, yeah, they do. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. that feels very, 
I mean, maybe, maybe it's all just a coincidence, but it feels very like deliberate, like a nonlinear warfare type tactic of just like confusing the population. So nobody knows what to believe, you know? Yes, totally. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely an element of controlled opposition or many, many elements of controlled opposition going on because when you can keep people just prey on people's emotions, spin them up and, and throw out in, 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 immense amount of complexity you know then you're paralyzed with it's like well what do i believe or i'm just going to go with the easiest thing or whatever my group is doing or whatever the basically whatever the people are saying on the news or whatever something like that and so it's it is tricky too because what what you're saying and, and what i'm saying it's like i'm not saying that this thing isn't real I mean, maybe, maybe it's not, I don't know, but like, you know, then you have people like Kelly Brogan and Sayer G and, uh, Dr. Kaufman and, you know, they're talking about germ theory and, Hmm. um, the other terrain theory and Dr. Thomas Cowan. And then, you know, and then he's getting debunked and then there's the fact checked. So it's, it's this crazy amount of confusion, but you know, you're right to a certain degree. It's like, you know, you go outside, you're, it reminds me of this famous Bill Hicks joke yes. where, you know what I'm talking about? Where he's exactly. like, war, death, terror, AIDS, famine, war, death. Yeah. <laughs> and you open your front door and it's like, it's like, where's yeah. all this shit happening, man? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like if nobody, if, uh, if no one said there's a pandemic happening and no one was wearing masks, I wouldn't know precisely going on. That's exactly my point. And it's like, you think that years ago they had to tell people there was a pandemic? No, you knew because your family was getting carted off. And not that we should just let it get to the point where all these people are dying. But I'm just trying to make the point that like, if something was serious was going on, we wouldn't be confused about it and having to rely on like news stories to tell us. Like We would know. It would be pretty obvious, I think. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I just... I have gotten into a lot of that germ theory versus terrain theory stuff. And that's what David Crow, who I had on my podcast, he's been studying scientific papers on viruses and stuff for years. And he actually has a lot of compelling evidence showing that there's not a lot of super hard evidence to link viruses to a lot of these things that were, uh, you know, purported to be viruses like HIV and measles and and it's controversial, and a lot of people probably just think it's totally ridiculous. And if you look it up on Google, I mean, there's going to be tons of stuff saying, no, nah, it's bullshit, it's this, it's that. And I struggled with that stuff for a while, but I'm kind of getting to a point where, like, I don't really care anymore, like, if you find stuff that claims to debunk it. Because the more you think about it and look at this stuff, like, imagine even just, like, okay, let's say a virologist says that... um it's bullshit. Well, that virologist was went to school, spent tens of thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands, to study with textbooks that already had a certain paradigm in it. You know, all of their peers believe the same stuff. You're funded by certain organizations, and none of this is necessarily intentional. It's just the way things work. You know, there's a certain paradigm that people exist in in the way they see the world. And if you've committed that much of your life to that, I'm pretty sure it's probably pretty hard to just like go completely against it and have a different opinion, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. if you look throughout history, every time there's been a paradigm shift, there's all sorts of people calling it heresy and 
and there's been people killed for having opinions that go against the against the grain but when i've dug into this like terrain theory stuff like it just really resonates with me personally and it is the it it's a way that i would like to see the world and i i do believe that we like our collective belief is kind of what creates our reality. Yeah. And so it's like, why not believe something that is more in line with like what feels right. And so the, I don't know how much you've gotten into that stuff, but the basic idea as I understand it is like, you know, a lot of what we think is causing these diseases is like uh, showing up to a fire and seeing fire trucks and going, Oh, Every time I show up to a burning building, there's a fire truck. It must be the fire trucks causing these fires, you know. And so the idea is we've taken this genetic material that we call viruses that can be produced in our cells, is in our bodies all the time. They've done studies that have shown like a lot of people have HIV in them. Normal people that are completely healthy with nothing wrong. So people can have all sorts of different genetic material that we've associated with these diseases and be totally fine. Just like we can have all sorts of bacteria in it in us that are associated with diseases and be totally fine. Like we all have E. coli, mm-hmm. but you don't consider yourself to be infected with E. coli right now. Right, right. And so that in and of itself makes a ton of sense to me. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, all these people that are testing positive for this genetic material that they're causing calling coronavirus, but they have no symptoms whatsoever. They're perfectly healthy. Why would we consider them to be sick or infected, you know? Like that seems to be jumping to conclusions. And the idea is basically that these microbes don't cause diseases. These microbes are responses to environmental imbalances. Right. So like your cells can create and excrete things to respond to conditions in your body. Like they can create bacteria and viruses and fungi and, um, to respond yeah. to different conditions. So the idea is like, yeah, if there's environmental toxicity, which we have plenty of right now from they've Zach Bush has done a great mm-hmm, mm-hmm. D- job with like, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Showing the map of the COVID outbreaks on top of the map of glyphosate spraying and air pollution and the spots where we've had the worst COVID outbreaks have been the spots where there's the worst air pollution and the highest amount of glyphosate spraying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm going to get like a ton, tons of messages from people yeah. who are going to be like, this is bullshit. Like, it's been proven this. I can't believe you're saying this. Yeah. You know, I got a, I got a couple messages from like some podcasts before. There's like, I can't believe you're putting out this. This is dangerous. You're going to you're going to destroy the psychedelic community or something with what mm. you're saying. And I'm like, well, um, first of all, I'm really surprised at the sort of whatever community you want to call it, you know, this sort of woke community or the conscious community or whatever to, to be so reliant upon the sort of monolithic, you know, scientific reductionist medical model that is embedded with the big pharma, you know, all these big organizations. And like you said, like with the, with the, with the terrain theory model, it's like that can be debunked with, with these, institutions of higher education that um, through their sort of curated reality tunnel have indoctrinated people. And we're all indoctrinating people like where everybody's being indoctrinated. It's just, you you can't not be, but, but, but it's like, and I think um, 
you know, Charles made this point. I remember when he was on my podcast, he was like, you know, some of some debates you can't win, even if you have the truth, because you'll be knocked out by the sort of the the hard logic of the the studies that these people have and the sort of reinforcement of their thing. But then it's always like, well, then where do we come in? You know, does does all of our power just go away to the to the experts, or like, do we have any intuition and in, do we have any say in this? And I think we should. We do. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we should be autonomous beings that should be able to take care of ourselves. So that's where I'm I'm most surprised is in the so called free thinking, open psychedelic conscious community that more people aren't questioning this and more people are taking the side of. And I know a lot of people are. I know yeah, a lot of people are for sure. But there's a lot of people that I'm like, oh, really? You're just taking like the the dominant scientific model. I agree. It's been surprising. And a a lot of the stuff that we're talking about, I think really gets connected and pigeonholed with like, it gets connected with uh, far right stuff and Trump and anti-vax and, you know, which, yeah, it's, which I think in and of itself is a tactic, obviously, you know. Totally. Um, But yeah, but yeah, I've been surprised about that too. But I think you know what what I appreciate about talking to you right now and and what I've kind of been trying to to do in general is like it's not my job to convince anybody of anything like I'm looking for my own truth and I want to find other people that I resonate with and I will talk to people that don't agree with me or that I don't agree with and that's totally fine and we can coexist having differing opinions but when it comes to somebody else's beliefs being imposed upon me. So now I'm supposed to do what you want me to do because you're scared of a, of a virus or whatever that's being looked at now as selfish and not having compassion. But to me, it's like, uh, you know, I've, if anybody who knows me knows that like, I care so much about, other people and about wanting people to be healthy and happy. And my compassion towards other people is to want us all to not wear masks and to hug and to, you know, talk to each other in person and to like, I think it's so important that we not be afraid of each other and afraid of our own bodies and afraid of life itself. And so that's just a different form of compassion. I don't think it means you're selfish if you disagree with masks and, just because somebody might not be able to articulate why they they disagree with masks or they might, you know, come off like they're just pissed off. Like, I don't think it's all just like crazy conspiracy theory people that are upset that these rules are being forced upon them, you know. Like, I think there's mm-hmm. a lot of really compassionate, intelligent people that maybe just sometimes don't know exactly how to articulate how they feel, you know. <clears throat> yeah, but they feel it. And that's exactly. the thing. And yep. and like you were saying, if you know me, you would know. And a lot of the isolation, lockdown, Zoom, social media stuff, it's like, it's kind of hard to, to get to know people from a tweet and Instagram post, or, and especially when we're not gathering together and you can't, you know, f- sort of like vibe off of the other person's energy and yep. sort of get their sort of, you know, aura that they're putting out there and, and, and the nuance, you know, um, that, that is in, you know, you brought up anti-vax before and it's like, yeah, and look, I'm sure there's some, <laughs> I'm sure there's problems with vaccines. Oh, yeah. like, I'm sure there's a lot of sketchy stuff. 
have some vaccines helped people? Yeah, I'm sure they probably have, but maybe a lot of them have hurt people. Yep. You know, like let's ask, let's be open to asking questions. And that's one of the things where I see that there's just like a tremendous breakdown. Um, but there is also just these pockets, like I'm able to connect with you and we're able to talk and we're sort of, you know, thinking of similar things in terms of gardening and getting back to the land and, Mm -hmm. and think more things like that. Um, but that also is to say that I'm not thinking of like ditching technology and being a Luddite either. Yeah. Yeah, It's the integration, I think that, that we're looking for the balance. Exactly. And like, you know, what you're saying is what kind of what I was trying to get at, which is like, I am really realizing that. The answer to, I think, almost all the problems we're facing is not about trying to fight anything. It's just about creating a new thing. You know what I mean? And there might be some resistance towards that, which we'll deal with when we come to it. You know, if if like we can't go to the store because we don't have our COVID vaccine or something like then things get tricky and we really have to create our own, our own thing. But, you know, like the Buckminster Fuller quote of you don't change things by, you know, trying to. I don't even remember exactly what it is. But yeah, it's, d- don't don't change things by fighting the existing power structure, uh, build something that makes it obsolete. Yeah, exactly. Love yeah. That. And I just really think that that right now is more accurate than ever. Even with things like, uh, you know, some of the social justice stuff, like it's all about fighting against stuff, which I mm-hmm. understand. And, and there's maybe there is a place for a certain level of that fighting against Cause I do get pumped when I see big COVID protests too, you know, like, uh, but that being said, I think like really the reason people have power over us is because we give it to them, you know, and us not being able to feed ourselves and, uh, fix our own things. And that, that's the type of stuff of why we're so able to be controlled, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and I think some of the most powerful things we can do is probably regain some of that sovereignty, you know, food sovereignty. And I mean, my buddy is building an earth ship and I don't know how familiar you are with those, but yeah, you start looking into those and it's just like, man, this is the way it should be. You know, like, why are we still doing things the way we're doing them? You know, like these earth ships are built to be sustainable and collect water and be solar powered and geothermally heated and all of this stuff to where it's like the solutions I think are already all here, you know, to most of the problems that we face, like regenerative agriculture, earth ships, cryptocurrency, I'm sure could be of value, uh, all of these different things. But I think it's just about like we're waiting for them to be instituted on a large scale by people who we perceive as authority figures when it's like, it's sort of like, don't ask for permission, ask for forgiveness. You know what I mean? Like Mm. we should just start doing this shit. And I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the only way that it happens. I know, you know, Howard Zinn's famous quote of, you know, real democracy in action doesn't come from the top down. It comes from the bottom up, you know, and, and um, I don't know, I have my own problems with, with democracy all, you know, yep. as being like, I don't, I don't really think it's synonymous with uh, individual liberty or empowerment. I think it's this kind of nice notion of, of, of fairness and, and, but it gets used a lot as uh, you know, in the, but anyway, but, 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 uh, but really this, this, it, it does come from the spontaneous 
collaboration and cooperation of like voluntary and willing participants. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's, that is what it is. We've been so used to, and myself included, you know, like the other day I was just like, man, like I've, I order from Amazon prime. Like (laughs) I, maybe I shouldn't like, I, 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 you know, I feel like this conflict and it's like trying to detach from the world that I think contributes and to, and perpetuates the sort of, um, you know, dependent, uh, the dependency model, uh, for, for us, us being dependent upon these larger institutions and these centralized powers and these experts and authority figures. And it's like, man, every psychedelic experience that I've had, every wonderful moment in nature that I had has made me feel in touch with myself and my own power. And, um, and then, and then that combined with, other people who are aligned with that. And it's like, man, we can do amazing things when people are coming together like that, Yep, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, you know, the Amazon thing. I, I feel that too. I don't like go crazy on Amazon, but I definitely use it. And I've had conflicting feelings about that too, because it's like, I'm kind of feeding the beast here, you know? And, and that's what I've been all about for quite a while is a sort of Ram Dass kind of idea of, and very various people, not just Ramdas, but the idea that like a lot of what we see around us is just projections of things that we haven't dealt with inside of ourselves, you know. And so, a lot of this stuff that people are so pissed about, like hating Jeff Bezos and hating Amazon, which I understand, and I went through that sort of phase too of like I loved Bernie Sanders and and I love that sort of stuff. But when you really start to think about it too, it's like, well, how can I hate this thing if I'm like using it all the time, you know? And like, it is benefiting me and I didn't help create this. Like there is the idea of like, we all are one human race. And so we all kind of have some part in the pie of like human innovation. But at the same time, you know, like there is this feeling of like, I don't think hating Jeff Bezos is going to solve any of our problems and like lynching this guy because now he's the enemy is just like what Charles Eisenstein talks about, about it's always a new enemy and a new like warfare tactic of the war on viruses, the war on drugs. And it's like, when are we going to finally like turn inside and like try to, you know, where's the Jeff Bezos inside of me that's, you know, running some little tyrannical Amazon <laughs> and can I like right. heal that heal that somehow and share the wealth a little bit? And I do think there's a place for something like Amazon. You know, like I if sure. you're if you're getting all sorts of stuff locally, like you're locally farming and you're collaborating with people in your local community, but then you're able to order various like supplements or tools or things from like a more. Uh, I guess you could say centralized, but almost decentralized too, in terms of like, they have these facilities kind of placed around the country that store a lot of goods and like, it kind of makes sense. Like, it's just about, I think really like the balance and integration, like we talked about before, you know, like, it's not about just saying like, fuck technology and let's not use laptops or not, you know, just go back to being Amish or or whatever. It's like, yeah, it's like, regaining some of these things that we've just kind of lost and integrating them and using things like more with purpose and intention, you know, rather Mm -hmm. than just like mindlessly, you know, totally. I think that's the, 
so much of the key is is your intention behind what you're doing and the choices that you're making. I think oftentimes people ask me like, is this good or is this bad? I'm like, well, it it really depends on like what what you're what you're bringing to it and why you're doing it and mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. And <clears throat> you, ta- you I love what you said about where's the Jeff Bezos inside of me. It's like I think that scares the shit out of people. And I think that's why there's so much of that projection as well. You know, I mm-hmm. think oftentimes whenever I find myself in a situation where I'm getting angry, bitter, jealous, or resentful at somebody or something outside of me, it takes me some time, like it takes me a little bit to be like, oh yeah. You know, usually when I'm like high, mm-hmm. I, I, cannabis is, is so great for that for me. Like it, mm-hmm. it just brings me back into that introspective place where I go, Oh, I was being like, okay, I see. I was being that. And that's why I was getting mad at them. And it's like, you see the same thing with Trump or whoever. It's like, you know, these people that, that hate the thing. It's like, this is the thing that I hate. And yeah, like, and then it's like to, to even consider or to even suggest, Hey, where's the little Trump inside of you? (laughs) It's like, what are you kidding me? I'm not nothing like this person, you know? Yeah, the Trump one has been one that I've just like, I've found myself defending Trump and Trump supporters like so many times. And it's not because I like Trump at all. Like I don't, I don't support really any politician. Like I love Tulsi Gabbard. Um, yeah. Andrew Yang's got some cool ideas and I, I really liked Bernie Sanders. Tulsi was probably my favorite, but just the whole idea that we need some like mommy or daddy figure in some weird political place to like do run our lives for us is just kind of odd i've probably come around more to a somewhat of a libertarian vibe like like you in some ways which i never would have thought but even even to say that is not accurate i'm just really not i just don't identify that much with political parties or ideas in general but yeah but uh what else what was I saying there? Um, oh, about the yeah. Go. What were? Oh, was it about me. the the Trump inside. Oh yeah, yeah. So the Trump thing. I uh, I don't know. It's just so weird to me. I don't know if it was because I had been like so into political corruption for so long, like researching it, and like Obama dropped more bombs than every other president before him combined, I think. Like so many at one point, they ran out of bombs, you know, and he was the highest deportation like ever. And so to see this other dude come along that just sent nasty tweets and talked about like, you know, grabbing women by the pussy or whatever which is obviously not cool, but it was just more about like, hey, it's the idea that this guy is like despicable more than like the actual stuff, you know, because people loved Obama. But I think part of why they loved him is because they could just put it on cruise control and not pay attention to what was going on. They felt good. It They made him, he made them feel good, you know, like, oh yeah, yeah. he's, It's it's very much like we were like, parentify or like we're like children you know like we and we need our parent and obama had a very good like parent vibe that made people feel comfortable like i hear people talking so much about we need good leadership we need better leadership it's like why do we need leadership you know like can't we lead ourselves like and from my like perspective at this point i feel like what I feel like a lot of that comes from is actually like we all carrying around so much childhood trauma 
and we've never really healed that enough to grow into like autonomous sovereign adults and so we are all kind of looking for this like father figure or mother figure kind of and a lot of that is projected onto celebrities scientists religious figures political figures um and it's it's scary to reclaim your own sovereignty is what i've been finding like doing a lot of like inner child kind of healing involuntarily myself over the past year or so. And it's like a terrifying process to reconnect with like these childhood fears of abandonment and, and all of this stuff. And so I don't blame people for, you know, kind of holding that stuff in. I think most of us don't even know that it's there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that there's, I think a lot of people, you know, it's almost like we would like this to be that we would like this information to be more like mainstream. And I think it sort of is happening in some aspects, in some regards, I think, you know, you say trauma or PTSD or healing or Mm -hmm. even, you know, psychedelic therapy now. And, and I think more and more people are sort of like, yeah, I, I have heard something about that or I get something like that, but I think it is coming from the mark. Like it's coming from the margins. It's coming from the fringes. It's coming from the decentralized, Mm -hmm. you know, um, podcasts and, and YouTube channels and Instagram pages. And so it's just come coming in all these different points. And, uh, it, it's it, instead of coming from like this top down, it's coming from this like more horizontal way. Um, and I think it's good. It's a good thing. I think a lot of people are, are, are catching on more. And I think that's what it's going to take is just kind of, you know, that, 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 that way. Um, but yeah, I, I was, I was thinking of, um, what you were saying before about Obama and, 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 and Trump and, and just how like, to, to kind of shift back to that, I, I, I like it, it's almost like we enjoy like a magic show, you know, like you you like to go to a magic show and be suspend your disbelief and be amazed. And like Obama was such a good ma- magician, mm-hmm. like he was just like a great orator, like he's you know charismatic, sleek, and he came out there and he was like boom, like doing all these magic tricks, and mm-hmm. people were just like, wow, this is so sleek and smooth and cool. But then you're not seeing what's happening behind the scenes so much, whereas Trump comes out and he's more like a polarizing, like, I don't know, David Blaine kind of guy, like jams a nail on his head and you're just like, oh, this is terrible. What is this? You know, it's like he's not classy. He's crude. He's, yeah. he's not giving us the show that we, you know, and the, yeah. he's those type of people. Um, because, yeah, I mean, every president, as far as I'm concerned, has been horrific yeah like every the institution of the presidency the whole thing but it's like we i think that we like the show we like to be sort of fooled to a certain degree mm-hmm. like we don't want to know just give us the guy who's polished and nice and we don't really want to know about the other stuff well it's kind of like you know when you're something's wrong with your car and so you just turn the radio up you know what i mean like you you don't want to have to face like bringing it in finding out how much it's going to cost you know like yeah having to rent a car for a week while it's getting fixed or borrow somebody's car ride the bus to work or whatever you know like and i get that i've that's i think we all have that sense of just like no just just wait a little bit longer i don't want to deal with this quite yet and i think trump and a lot of these things that are coming up, COVID and 
the racial protests and all of this stuff is that sort of like reckoning moment of just like, no, it's been long enough. Like you got to figure this shit out, you know? And, you know, with the Trump stuff, like I come from a small town in rural Minnesota, like North branch, Minnesota, 45 minutes out of the city, you know, it's fat, you know, factory workers, farmers, you know, hunters, and so, like, I'm very familiar with the type of people that are in the Trump supporter uh, groups. And there's a lot of Trump supporters around the area where I'm from. And But I also lived in the city for a long time, and I've always been a different type of person and have been in podcast circles and used to skateboard and, you know, I'm a musician. So, like, I've also been exposed to a lot of liberal, you know, upper middle class, that type of city life as well. So I, I feel like I kind of see both sides. And I think one of the things that a lot of um, whatever you want to call it, liberal city people, upper middle class, woke people, a lot of the things that they miss is that like that these people who have been supporting Trump, like they've been hurting for a long time because all these factory jobs that used to pay people good money have been slowly closing down and farmers are struggling and like these people have been getting hit economically hard for a long time. And under Obama, you know, that's people think that all of, all of the problems with Obama were about his race or whatever. And certainly that they talked about that a lot on Fox news and all of this stuff. But I think the larger problem, even if people thought it was race, I think that was just an instinctual feeling underneath being like, I want I, I need to be able to feed my family and support my family and I want a decent job you know what I mean like sometimes what people say they're upset with like we talked about earlier with the masks like some people just don't know how to articulate what's actually going on inside of them but from my perspective it's people who are seeing that these systems aren't working anymore they don't they're not able to get good jobs like they used to get you know they see all this business going to foreign countries Everything's produced in China, you know, the, the whole thing with Detroit, all the car manufacturing places closed and they just unfortunately got duped by a guy who said he wanted to help them, you know, and for certain reasons that resonated with them. And he, he mixes in some truth with, with what he says. I think that's why so many people get hooked, even with the QAnon stuff. Like, I think the QAnon is like a genius psyop, you know. It's like you mix in enough truth to th make people think that this dude's an actual crusader that's trying to take down the deep state, you know? And so it's like you make, you convince Trump supporters that Trump's trying to take down the deep state and you convince like liberal, I hate to use that word, whatever, non-Trump yeah. non supporters that the deep state is just some wacky right wing conspiracy theory and it's all a bunch of nut jobs when it's like the truth is in the middle that there is a deep state, there is a shadow government and there probably is all sorts of pedophile rings and human trafficking. And you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it gets co-opted to be used to just keep the whole two sided back and forth thing going if that makes yeah. any sense. It does make sense. I mean, it, it totally makes sense because you can, you can really, you know, as far as conspiracy theories go, uh, it's really easy to just ridicule and dismiss people because the, the range of conspiracy theories go from, you know, 
uh, lizard people living in the center of the earth mm-hmm. to the earth being flat to like maybe JFK was killed by his own government or, you know, like these, you know, just as an example, but it's like some things are true, but the ones that are so outlandish just get lumped in with all the true stuff. And then those people can be dismissed and ridiculed and just like, I mean, even with the, like the COVID stuff, it's like, it's like, oh, you're a COVID truther. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I did like nine 11 truther. It's yeah. like, I, when did the truth become this, this, <laughs> yeah. You know, pejorative. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, truther is a pejorative. Oh, okay, interesting. And so it's a, it's an interesting flip to see uh, to see that kind of thing going on. But but yeah, I I I think that most people really just want to have a good life mm-hmm. and live a good life and like be happy and and peaceful and have a good time with their families and their friends and eat good food and have fun and enjoy as much as they possibly can while we're here on this limited you know, earth. And I think I would get pretty pissed off too if I moved out to a rural area and all of a sudden there was like a bunch of people marching through my neighborhood and, you know, chanting and throwing things. Like I'd be like, Hey, you know, uh, I don't know. You know, we are, we are all connected, but we're also, we also get to have our little spaces too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The whole truther as a pejorative thing is just, if you, you know, for anybody who's done any research into public relations you know i've I've, one of the documentaries and i know i probably mentioned this on the isolation tank and stuff i know jen sodini is a big proponent of this one as well it's the century of self i feel like for anybody who hasn't gotten into conspiracy theory stuff that's a great place to start because it's very fact-based like it's not conspiracy but once you once you learn about edward bernays and this PR stuff and how the government and the CIA and stuff has used this public relations to manipulate the masses into going to war for certain things and even just for companies like to convince people to get diamond rings for weddings. It was a complete invention by a public relations guy. And once you kind of learn about that stuff, it really just opens the door to like, wow, I can see now how like truthers was probably just like basically a pr campaign to say uh, how do we get people to stop like questioning you know 9-11 let's just call them truthers 9-11 truthers will run all sorts of stories about how nutty they are and connect them to other things tangentially like the same with like covid stuff it gets connected with all this weird stuff you know like okay now denying not denying questioning covid gets tied in with uh, QAnon or gets tied in with Trump, you know, and, and they've done that, in my opinion, most likely intentionally in a really genius way to have Trump say things that make it seem like he is questioning COVID and that he's, you know, kind of skeptical of it. And so then mm-hmm. it makes people who are skeptical of it, like us, potentially could be tied with Trump. Like, oh, we must support Trump if we're also questioning COVID. Yeah. Well, fuck Trump. And, and <laughs> you know, the the thing is that it's like, whatever happened, why is questioning bad? Right. You know, like, I, I don't... Yeah, well, because it's the, dangerous, Mike. You could well, We could be endangering people's lives if we're getting them to question COVID, so then they don't wear masks, and then, oh, what if they get sick? And, you know, I think that's the basic idea right 
Yeah, I know. I, it's just that it, it would, you know, science is supposed to be questioning. Yeah. You know, science is supposed to be pushing the envelope, asking questions, coming up with theories. Um, you know, it's supposed to be doing that. I mean, we should always be doing that. I always try and espouse the, the you know, Timothy Leary, like, you know, question, don't trust anyone, you know, and question everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's, I think it's healthy to a certain degree, as long as it doesn't go into like extreme paranoia, you know, and, <clears throat> but, um, but yeah, I think, you know, this, and when, what I've experienced is a lot of times if you're asking questions, then there's an immediate assumption, like you were saying, that you must be on a particular side or a particular team. And then the, the reaction or the defense isn't necessarily something that's like um, – that, that, that would be an invitation to have more of a discourse uh, about, like, you know, to have a dialogue about. It's more of just like, oh, really? Really? Is that what you think? Really? That's what you think? Yeah. And it's like, well – well, I don't know. I mean, I'm just, you know, I'm just questioning it. And I think that it's like, let's not pretend that it's out of the realm of possibility. I think that's one of the most infuriating things is to be like, oh, really? You think it's like a deep state psyop <laughs> thing? It's like, um, it's quite possible and most likely. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if you look at the history, you know, Operation Northwoods, Operation Mockingbird, mm -hmm. Operation Paperclip. I mean, these things are declassified. Pro, like mm -hmm. this stuff... And and so many more, and ones that we don't know about. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's so it's, yeah, there's enough documented, verifiable stuff out there to just like not really take anything off the table, in my opinion. You know, right? Um, yeah. And and I think sometimes what is like scary to 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 really accept, and what maybe goes past some people is like so Bill Gates, for example. I don't think he's, like, an enemy either that we need to, like, rally against. Okay, Bill Gates is now the bad guy, and we need to fight against him or whatever. But but I do think he's a super sketchy guy, and <laughs> he's yeah. there's so much verifiable stuff that you can find about him. Like, uh, what's his name? The Corbett, Corbett Report? I can't remember. Corbett, yeah, James yeah, Corbett. James yeah. Corbett. He did a great four-part series on Bill Gates. Who is Bill up. Gates? Yeah, I saw that. Super good. And... uh you know, with the amount of money a dude like that has and pours into the media, like, if you hear him on a TV show talking about trying to debunk conspiracy theories about him and denying whatever and talking about the vaccine, it's like, I think people don't understand that he can just buy time on shows and he can have them ask him certain questions and basically just do what he wants because he's funding this stuff you know what i'm trying to say like totally yeah yeah you could put put him on there with trevor noah who's like you know the young kind of hip comedy guy and he's oh yeah that's crazy talking trevor noah's like yeah can you believe some people believe this I right mean, isn't this crazy and they're like oh yeah it's crazy and it's like you know i've definitely seen that before too like when like hillary was on hillary clinton was on ellen she's like you know to bring something like something about epstein or something like that and she was like oh that's just crazy talk or whatever yeah. oh yeah and it's like yeah like that's this is what they do like mm -hmm. it's you know and then you have people just associate well she's she's on ellen so she must be good oh he was on colbert and he was on trevor noah so it's probably fine you know all yeah. this other stuff is just wacky yeah and it's like well what all these hosts are just gonna be in on it and it's like well no but they're not gonna like 
go against their bosses. You know what I mean? Because the people who cut their checks, you know, if they're funded by pharmaceutical industries and, you know, military contractors and all of this stuff, like there's going to be certain things that you can't say or you're going to get fired, you know? And I think we've seen how a lot of people that have a strong desire to be relevant, to be famous, be in positions of public, you know, spotlights, like lots of times they're, they can have insecurities just like everybody else. And they want to be liked and they want to have this like prestigious position. So they're willing to like go with the narrative just to like ensure their salary and, you know, make sure that they can kind of stay in that position, you know, or keep climbing the ladder or whatever, which is totally human. I can understand how that happens. You know, it's not all, it doesn't all have to be some, you know, I think some of the things that I've seen going around is this idea that like, it's either complete chaos or it's complete grand conspiracy. Like, the idea that it's like, well, it's, there's no way it could be all just a giant grand conspiracy. And that's like, it must be like total chaos. And it's like, it can be both. Like it can be somewhere in the middle, you know, like there's plenty of like, like some of the COVID stuff, for example, all the, if the CDC and the world health organization from the top down put out a certain method of say tracking deaths or whatever, that then gets filtered down to all of these other hospitals and organizations. And so many people, as we've seen with masks and everything, like they're just willing to do, I mean, even myself, like I wear masks in Minneapolis when it's because it's required down here because that's what they tell me to do. You know what I mean? And so it's the same sort of thing. Like you, it doesn't take a lot for uh, people of power to influence the masses by just simply putting out a memo from the CDC about how to, you know, code deaths or whatever. And I know a dude that's talked about that is Scott Jensen here in Minnesota. A senator has pushed back on the death coding, how they were basically incentivizing people to mark things as COVID death more than anything else, even underlying conditions. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he got investigated just for talking about that and Mm. was you know that that kind of tells you something right yeah exactly yeah I, it, it, it it's like one of my favorite quotes is from uh i think it was herman goering at the nuremberg trials after world war Two. like one of you know hitler's top guys in command and mm-hmm. being questioned about the the war acts and and one of the quotes that he put out was like look people can be pro- be brought to do anything if you tell them they're being attacked They'll be afraid and you can move them to any position. He's like, it works in every country, everywhere. It doesn't matter. All you have to do is do that and then denounceify the pacifists for lack of patriotism mm. and for not caring about people's health and security. It's like, well, like, you know, and Bernays, back to Bernays, Bernays was a major influence in in the Nazi Third Reich. You know, that they, they that was like the playbook, you know, for them almost among many other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, let's not pretend like this, that that power structures and institutions that have a lot of profit and and power to gain aren't, you know, interested in in these sorts of tactics like and that's not and and this is where it becomes complex because you're like well you know i know someone or i know you know it's like yeah everybody has a story where they know someone that works for the government or you know as a nurse or a doctor or something like that 
but it's compartmentalized. Like they don't, they're not in on it. Right. They're, they're just doing their job and they don't, they're not given the information. Right. And it's like, well, I could work at McDonald's and be a really good person, but that doesn't mean I have any control over like McDonald's philosophy and how they do business. And you know what I mean? So, yeah. And a lot of people are just willing to go along with things, you know, because everybody, uh, I think, and that I think in some ways comes back to, to like, it might sound like a weird connection, but I think that comes back to the inner child stuff too. And the, in the like childhood trauma and wounds that we carry is like, we're all like very, we've, we've been very heavily bought into like a scarcity mentality, you know, and that's part of the individualistic nature that we've had, um, is like, we're kind of all out for ourselves in some way and out for like, you know, we all, a lot of us have taken comfortable jobs for a long time to have that security. You know, we've got car insurance, we've got health insurance, we've got, you know, there's a, a, a overarching theme, I think, in our, as we've grown up in this society, has been all about, like, comfort and security. And it really, it's like a false sense of security. And mm. I think that's starting to break down a lot and kind of exposing the fact that, we're never really secure and this the the real security that we have is in our connection to nature and in being in harmony with nature and like feeding into the abundance of nature and natural systems but for me personally that's been like a really scary thing to like learn to trust not only nature but the flow of life to not mm. fight against the flow of life because i have my own opinions about how my life should look or what I should do, but rather to like actually be in the flow and to see that the universe is always trying to like put me in a good position and like provide for me and hold me in, in, you know, in love yeah. and abundance. But to do that, you have to really be able to shed a lot of the negative self image and programming that you've learned through growing up and, you know, being disconnected from that. And so I think that's a lot of what we're going through right now. It feels like to me is like really a time of like having to just shed a lot of outdated uh, beliefs about ourselves, you know, and about like the other and about life itself, you know, like going back to the germ theory and terrain theory. I think a lot of the germ theory is this idea that like, we should be scared of life, scared of microbes, scared of our bodies, that they might betray us, that there's something lurking silently waiting to capitalize on our, you know, bodies and kill us, you know, whereas like the terrain theory is really more about like if you're in balance, if you're treating your body like a temple trying to provide for it in a healthy way, like you don't need to worry about you know, outside invaders. Like it's more about the the state of the terrain, the environment being healthy rather than um you know, just some sort of pathogenic intruder. I don't yeah. know. I'm so glad you went there, man, because that's that is so true. It's it's you know, we we're very powerful beings. You know, and I think that a lot of what we're seeing in the world in this sort of mainstream dominant paradigm is always centered around limiting that infinite power and that infinite capacity for 
total self-liberation, realization, and empowerment because, well, once you're that, well, then these people are out of jobs. You know, you don't want to buy the things. You don't want to, you don't need the protection from the, the military and the government, you know, all this stuff. They, they, they need to sort of keep that uh, in place and keep that sort of, you know, this has always come up, comes up with like uh, the pharmaceutical industry or the medical industry where it's like, you know, they, they just, they just manage the symptoms, mm -hmm. you know, that they don't actually offer the cures because there's no profit in that. And you could apply that, I think, to any large institution that's trying to gain dominance over your individual sovereignty and your, you know, that, and that sort of thing. So, but I'm so glad you went there because that is where it's at is, you know, get, going inward and man, there's so many parts of myself that are, that scare the shit out of me. And mm -hmm. that, you know, that it's like, oh my God, I'm still not healed from that. And, you know, where's that showing up in my life? And, you know, that, that I think is, is, is where the journey lies because when you can sort of embark on that while also simultaneously sort of paying attention to the exterior environment as well, mm -hmm. I think that that kind of that convergence really makes you a sort of, um, you know, the sort of kind of person that you want to be, where you're like self reliant and and, and empowered, you mm -hmm. know, and and yeah, and 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 growing up, you know, there's nobody in this world. <laughs> well, I'll say there's nobody because I'm sure maybe there's some places and hunter gatherer communities and stuff like that, but I, I think that in the limited number that still are around. But in at least the Western world, in America, so much trauma. Yeah. So much trauma, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and I think, you know, from my perspective, I think the trauma, it gets, you know, to even say it, you think, well, I I mean, I always thought, like, I, I would never have thought of myself as traumatized, you know, because I was under the impression that trauma meant, like, oh, I got sexually molested or I got physically beaten or whatever and neither of those things ever happened to me to my knowledge but um trauma can be as simple as like you know something that i've really been thinking about it just it just sort of hit me the other day um yesterday actually it was just that like children you know like babies and ch children are just pure innocent creatures you know like they don't understand why you're crabby or why you're sucked into your work or why mom and dad are fighting or why you know mom yelled at me instead of like giving me a hug you know what i mean like kids just need like the type of i think love and connection that kids need we probably just don't even understand in our culture because we're too damaged, you know, like we've had too much disconnection from that type of pure unconditional love that it's hard for us to even comprehend besides maybe how you treat like a dog or something, you know, like we usually are able to express unconditional love with, with pets pretty easily. And obviously people do it with kids and stuff too, but I think, you know, like the whole, like, idea of the Ferber method, for example, of you leave your baby in a crib alone and let it cry, you know, that's completely unnatural and goes against, completely goes against evolution. Like if a baby was alone crying, you know, out in a hunter gatherer community, that baby is for one attracting potential predators. And also it's completely unsafer to be alone. Like babies need to be with a parent. 
24 seven, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, and so I think mm -hmm. just that in and of itself causes trauma. The fact that Mm -hmm. like, we're told to like, I mean, Gabor Mate has done tons of work and I'm basically just lifting his stuff here, but it resonates with me deeply. And I've found it to be true for myself. It's just like, I think we all have trauma just from like certain times where we were crying and scared and we weren't picked up or we, we were, told it's okay you don't need to cry and instead of just like held and shown that like you can express your emotions until they're complete and then you mm-hmm. can go on about your day we're like our parents in a lot of cases have been scared of their emotions so they project onto us fear of our emotions so then we fear our own emotions you know mm-hmm. and that's something that yeah. i've been like struggling with and like learning for the past couple years is really like reconnecting with like grief and terror and deep sadness and all of this stuff that's coming out and it's just like super scary to just feel it and to like you know sit and ball and not just like panic about it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and yeah the more i've just like kind of allow it to to happen yeah to, to go through it yeah and the more i've done that like it's i've gotten a little more comfortable with it but it's still like scary to me you know because you kind of get put in the consciousness of that little kid that you know was alone or felt like he wasn't going to be okay you know and it's super intense for me personally anyways and but i think you know it just feels like that's the stuff that a lot of us just have inside and that's where a lot of our like self-sabotaging self-limiting things come from is these feelings of that like we're not good enough and there's something about us that's wrong and flawed and bad and um Mm -hmm. there's parts Mm -hmm. of us that just weren't accepted by our caretakers you know and a lot of that gets into internal family systems stuff which i'm not sure if you're familiar with that but um Mm -hmm. that's something i've gotten really into yeah i mean and it's like you know the for a lot of the the talk that's that's happening uh in the current climate i would say and a lot of what we were talking about it's like really getting back to these really simple principles that wind up being pretty complex mm-hmm. <laughs> that spiritual teachers have been espousing forever like you mentioned ramdas you know i i like uh i like ramdas i like tiknat han i like mm-hmm. uh Ajishante, i like uh cho young trumpa like a lot of these guys like they love you know love fear death mm-hmm. connection community i mean this these are the important things and and there's not a whole lot of uh I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is I get I think we need more reminders of that. Yeah, you know? we need to kind of remind because um, uh, what happened uh, the other day? I think I, I found out somebody's mother got you know cancer again after she had beat it and it's going through this thing and it just kind of like every, every time someone tells me something like that now I always try and really put myself in that position to fully feel it Mm -hmm. not just like oh i'm sorry to hear that you know but really kind of internalize like oh my god this is like somebody that's very significant to this person they have a bond with like how would i feel if it was my mother and you know really try and get into that headspace and the more that you can get in there it's like the more that you realize 
that a lot of the shit that we've built and a lot of shit we're like arguing about and all this stuff, it's like, doesn't really matter that much. Mm -hmm. And we're all going to die someday too. And you know, it's like, who knows when, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm just kind of, I guess I'm just, I'm glad that we're, we're, we're talking about this because I feel like it's a, a integral part of, 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 uh, I guess the, our whole conversation too, is like not leaving out these really intimate and personal, uh, aspects of the human condition in this reality. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, something that came up for me while you're saying that is like, I feel that potentially some of our intense reactions to stuff, like, let's say, I think vaccines are a good example um, and questioning vaccines or the idea that uh, vaccines are so important that we shouldn't even uh, talk about it or whatever. Um, some of that feels a little bit to me like uh, an attempt to sort of run away from like hard truths. And to me, one of those hard truths is, is the fact that there is no simple answer towards like illnesses you know that there are always going to be people that get sick and some of those people are going to die and being sick is not fun and and it's a and it's a tough thing where we suffer a little bit and we feel uncomfortable and and i think a lot of our culture has been based around trying to just like numb ourselves out from all of these experiences Mm -hmm. you know like we don't want to have coughs so we take cough drops we don't want to have headaches so we take ibuprofen we don't want to get measles so we create a vaccine and we're not really considering like what are the long-term effects of these things like should or maybe we're supposed to get a headache every once in a while like maybe it's not a bad thing to have chicken pox or measles or something throughout our life maybe that's like a necessary part of human development and maybe some of those people will die. And we know that some of the people who take vaccines die and get chronic illnesses and injuries from vaccines. And that's Mm -hmm. not a conspiracy theory point. That's a verifiable fact. Um, And so I think some of it is sort of this, and I think it's maybe similar to the whole like political debate about like socialism versus capitalism versus this. It's like dancing around the, the fact that like, no matter what system we have, no matter what solution we have, we still have like, there's going to be pain. There's going to be trauma. There's going to be suffering. And until we can really look at that honestly and feel it and come to terms with it, we're not going to find a better way forward, you know? Yeah. We're just going to bring that junk to that new thing. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah, okay. You create a vaccine. Maybe you stop certain amount of illnesses, which is also debatable, but let's say you do like prevent a certain amount of illnesses in the short term, but you create uncountable potential things of, uh, you know, instances of chronic illness, inflammatory, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, doesn't matter. Inflammatory conditions and autoimmune conditions. That's what. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so now we have like the sickest kids, the sickest generation of children ever in human history. So it's like, what's the trade off here? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, 
Um, and I think that's the type of stuff that um, is hard to like come to terms with because nobody's really at fault. You know, it's easy to say, oh, it's the pharmaceutical companies, uh, blah, blah, blah. But it's not that simple, you know, like people want these things, like people want vaccines because people don't want to get sick. And it, it's, it's kind of all of us, you know, there is no we're all victims and we're all perpetrators, you know, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, the people who are causing suffering are suffering themselves and, and vice versa. And so I, I, I think that's when you really feel the deep heartbreak of humanity is when you realize that like, you know, I've seen this in around me, like I have, uh, just certain things in my life that I've seen, where I've thought certain people in my life were like perpetrators, you know, like they're, they really did things to hurt other people or hurt me. And, and then after really kind of like paying attention to those things, you realize the only reason they did that is because they're suffering so much inside that they needed to lash out, project that out and flick that on somebody else because they couldn't face it inside of themselves. They needed to, you know, manifested in the exterior world. And so that is just like, you know, heartbreaking to me to think that the people that we hate because we think they're the enemies, they're a victim of, of something else, you know, whether it's in their childhood or whatever else. And they're carrying around pain that's so great that they can't deal with it. So they have to put it into the world, you know. Totally. Yeah. And I, and I think that like, you know, it's like the the guy who's the CEO of Pfizer or whatever, you know, it's like, is he, I mean, is that, is he just, he's just a prisoner of the symptoms that have been created by the collective trauma projections of the environment <laughs> yeah. that we live in. Like, it's like, we, you know, we're all, exactly. you know, projecting these things into the outer material world, but it's coming from somewhere. It's coming from yeah. us and this sort of general consensus of like how things should be. And it's like, we're not perfect, but this, this, this guy is probably, I mean, does he want to be like going into work every day and like making sure that profits are up and all this stuff? Maybe he thinks that that's the game that he wants to play, but I think deep down there's, there's something else there. Like there's, there's some other need, there's some other desire. And this is just a, a a certain kind of like character that you could play to sort of satisfy your base immediate gratification desires in this, in this form or whatever. Right. But but who really wants to be doing that? Right. And maybe it's just a compensation for some way that that person feels inferior or bad about themselves, you know? Right. Because I've had that in my own life of, oh, if I could just be a a professional musician and people could, like, hear my music and think it's great, then then maybe I would finally feel good about myself, you know? It's not like I thought those things consciously, but looking back, I can see, like, these unconscious feelings of that's kind of part of the reason why I, I do certain things is to try to, you know, make up for low self-esteem or poor self-image, you know, these these different internal feelings that you have about yourself that you kind of try to get a hold on by getting some sort of exterior validation, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, especially it, when you're creative, when you're an artist and you're creating things, I think uh, 
a healthy dose of self-criticism is, is okay. <laughs> yeah. But we all dive into that unhealthy despair oh, yeah. and, you know, just knocking ourselves and saying, you idiot, why did you do that? No one likes you. You're stupid. You suck. You'll never be good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, like is, I've, I've realized as we've been talking, like at certain times, I mean, I might sound like, and you, you, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but I might sound sometimes like a confident person, like I know what I'm talking about, or I have these strong beliefs and opinions and, uh, you know, but honestly, what I would like people to know, if there's other people who feel like I do, is going into things like this or between the times when I'm not talking to people, like, I feel super insecure off and on or confused and scared and, you know, like grieve about things and i feel like i'm just as fucked up as anybody else and i don't know what the hell's going on out there i just do my best to try to like find my own truth that resonates with me and you know what i mean like try to work on my own shit so i can be a better person for the people that i come in contact with in my own life you know yeah yeah, I definitely, I mean, I, I feel that way too at times. I mean, I go through my own things and I've thought about this quite a bit. And, you know, I see, sometimes I see a lot of people like rising in popularity mm-hmm. uh, and and being like, oh, well, they're just, they're just like riling people up with like a particular message and, yep. you know, and I and I suppose that I probably had some of that in me too in in the past that's still lingering. And I'm like, well, I I don't really want to do that. I really want to have like deep, rich discussions. And um, I guess what I'm getting at is that it's it's like it's almost like well, I see there's there's like a path that would be that's like seductive. That it's like just be, hmm. just just go that way, and then you'll get all the followers and you'll get the things and it's like, well, who, who knows really. Right. Yeah. But, but it's, uh, but I, I see that sort of like that lure and then how that affects you. I mean, when you have, of course, I think everybody goes through these feelings of like not being good enough or feeling despair or being lonely or, you know, struggling and, and being insecure. But if you got a, if you got a secure message or you got a secure thing, I do one thing or I believe in this one thing yeah. and you got people backing you and they're like, yeah, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's, that's, that's a way to go too. But I don't even know if like, to me, I guess what I'm, the point that I'm trying to make in this convoluted way is, is that, does that really give you what you're truly looking for? Yeah. You know, yeah. that, and I don't think it does yeah no and i i think that's why some of my favorite people and the people that i find myself being more and more you know attracted to in terms of wanting to like listen to their messages their content you know people like zach bush and charles eisenstein and you know even probably kelly brogan i would throw in there and these other people that like you can't nail down like who they are you know what I mean? Like you can, if you're a bit, if you're able to perceive nuance and really like open your heart and mind to, to these people, but like you can't put them in a box of like, well, they're liberal or they're conservative or they're alt-right or they're anti-vax or they're this, like it's people who like obviously have like cultivated enough sovereignty um, and, and like, 
ability to see complexity and nuance to where they can question vaccines, but still, you know, trust the scientific method. They can, you know, talk about climate change, but they can still understand that there's problems with the Green New Deal or with solar power or, you know what I mean? Like there's all these different things where in the current climate, it's like if you have this opinion, then you must have these other opinions. And if you don't, then like, you know, you're not a real this or that. And I find myself being realizing in myself, it's like I have various different views and opinions on stuff that would put me in all sorts of different camps, you know, and, and, or I'm unsettled on certain issues. Like I said, I, I support Bernie Sanders, but I also, or like, I really like a lot of things about Bernie Sanders, but I also see the value in like libertarianism and like, uh, I see, I understand certain arguments against like kind of socialist type of ideas and all of this stuff and i think that nuance and complexity is just like so important and a lot of these arguments really are more about like the fact that we're kind of like to bring it back to early where i do really think we are like going from one layer of you know a paradigm of seeing the world and certain things we value to another and a lot of these things like that we're bringing up, like old political paradigms, they're just outdated and they're not going to work. And it doesn't matter what one we argue about, like there's something else that's going to be the answer. And it's not any of this stuff. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's uh, like collective sense making. You know, I think like people learning how to think critically and analytically and and listen and see things from different perspectives and hold sort of disparate or paradoxical notions yep, like there you go. or ideas. So I think that's, it sounds like to me that we're moving more towards the direction of not attaching to like any like particular ism or label institution or way, but to sort of really grok the whole of it. Like, and, and just be like, Oh wow, look at where we are and look at why. And then, and then come up with, new things yeah you know yeah (laughs) yeah because like i mean in terms of you know like talking when we're talking about like trump supporters and if we're talking about like the more like woke movement i would say those are the two kind of real polar opposite themes right now it's like this sort of alt-right conspiracy trump and the woke upper class you know whatever corporatist kind of they those aren't all the same but you know what i'm trying to say there's these yeah. polar opposites and i feel like in some ways each side kind of thinks like fuck the fuck that other side you know like they're just a bunch of these guys and they're trying to destroy america or they're trying to do this and my biggest feeling that i get when when i see this sort of stuff is um how can we ever like we are, whether you like it or not, like we're all living in the same place. Like we're like roommates of a country or if you want to, or the world, you know, we're, we're roommates of the world. And it's like, how are we ever going to like move forward in a, in a healthy way? If we're just saying, fuck you to like thousands or millions of people, like Mm -hmm. no matter how much you despise their viewpoints, like we have to integrate it somehow. Like, don't we like, isn't, I feel like in every argument, there's got to be at least some 
even if it's minuscule, some percentage of truth, at least some perspective that they have, something that they're feeling that's true on some level, and that's why they're doing it. It's not just because they want to ruin things for you and your side. It's because there's something real going on with them that we need to listen to and integrate, you know? Yeah, and and like you were saying, like on a deeper level too, where there's something maybe deep down inside that's unresolved, some wounds, something happening, and there's some apparent truth that that thing has a certain resonance with. And it's like, oh, finally a place for me to put that thing. Yeah. And so maybe the thing that they're attaching to isn't the truth per se, but that there's an element of truth that's coming from within them. And it's like, we need to start hearing people and listening to people. I watched this documentary about this guy. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This guy, Daryl Davis, who like, he's this black guy who helped, you you know, familiar with the story. Yeah. He basically convinced all these Ku Klux Klan members to disrobe, to lay down. And it didn't like happen instantly. He didn't stand on a megaphone and preach. He didn't shout people down. He didn't protest. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. He like accidentally started befriending some of them Mm -hmm. or they befriended him. They were like, Hey man, we like your music. And then later he found out, you know, they're KKK members. But I love that he was driven by this question of how could you hate me if you don't know me? Yep. And and he it it makes sense because it's like if you're gonna give the other side and this is going for both sides of any pick your argument it doesn't matter if it's racial stuff or vaccines or whatever it's like if you're gonna give the other side the ammo and just be who you think they think you are mm. then of course they're gonna just continue to hate you like you're falling right into it you know what I mean. Um, but if you actually like show them like, no, I'm like a nuanced person. I'm willing to like have a conversation with you and try to see where you're coming from. Like, what's your side of the story? That's what's so amazing about this guy's story. And I can see how people could, I could just hear people say, well, yeah, it's easy for a couple of white dudes to say like, uh, to imply maybe that black people should just go and like talk to Ku Klux Klan members like, <laughs> calmly yeah. or something. And yeah, yeah, that's not at all what I'm trying to say. I, yeah, I'm just no, trying to yeah. say like in a general sense of any type of polarized debate or heated situation, like I do really believe that the best thing we can possibly do is like have a, a calm, reasonable discussion with the other side and try to befriend the people like, a lot of people rip Joe Rogan, for example, for having like Ben Shapiro on or or whoever else. And to me, like personally, I think I've come around to like, I think it's probably a really good idea. It's one of the best things you can do, like personalize people, like understand where they're coming from. You don't have to agree with what they say. And this whole fear about like giving people a platform, I just don't buy into it. You know what I mean? Like, personally oh my god yeah people should be able to hear any opinions they want and if it doesn't if there's no reason for it to resonate then it won't resonate do you know what i'm trying to say like yeah i think it's because people are afraid to give the inner their inner shadow their unconscious you know places in them a platform yeah it's like oh i can't give that like we're our whole culture is 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 around hiding and tucking it under the rug and putting it away and ignoring it and mm-hmm. you know out, out of sight out of mind kind of thing but you can't just we can't just live in a world where we just 
keep doing that all the time. Where it's just like, you know, cancel. I tweeted something the other day about how I was like, is cancel culture the prelude to social credit mm. in the U.S.? Because I could see that totally coming. Oh, like, yeah. I could see people being like, well, we want to make sure where the bad people are. We got to get them out, the unsafe people. But it's just this, what's the end of that? We just terminate in the entire civilization. Well, that, yeah, no, that's kind of the thing. It's like, unless you're going to round these people up on an island and exterminate them, then you're kind of like just going to fuel the problem. You know what I mean? Because you're just going to push these people underground and they're going to radicalize more and more Mm -hmm. to the point where it's like, well, yeah, if you're trying to silence me, well, then I must be right. You know, like there must be something here. And, you know, I don't know with all these types of things, it's like, like Paul, do you know, Paul Selig, that mm-hmm. channeler guy, he had a great, mm-hmm. what did he say uh, the other day? On a, I heard him on Aubrey Marcus. He said, he, he said, uh, yeah, I know. He said, uh, <laughs> things come into the light to be lifted or something like that. Basically saying like, you know, these dark things come into the light to be healed and lifted up to their higher octave, you know, to their new way of being, not to be ridiculed and shamed and pushed back down into the darkness again, you know, and, uh, there's a lot of good, uh, things that come from that dude's channelings. Like, uh, you can't hold another in darkness and be in the light, mm-hmm. which I think is a great one. You know, this idea that everything is a manifestation of God, everything, and you can't pick or choose which things, like only the things you like, like, no, every single thing. Everything. And so the only way to like fully kind of like, heal and bring things to this next iteration of being is to truly see things as God and see the divine and everything and come to some sort of like acceptance of the way things are. And I'm not saying I've, I'm there, but that's, I do believe that that's probably accurate. I I believe it a hundred percent. You know, I've always resonated with the, the teachings of, of Jesus. Like I'm not a, a Catholic or, I mean, I guess I was raised that way, but, but, but I sort of went this like atheist route and, you know, but then I discovered like, okay, well, if you actually hone in on some of the messages here and, you know, you, Joseph Campbell was a big help, I think with like comparative world mythology and, Mm -hmm. and, and looking at all the different traditions and Buddhism and, um, you know, down the whole, the range of like the sort of central core tenets and ideas, you know, where it's like having compassion you know, looking at somebody who's like hate-filled and shaming and cancel this and get out of here. It's like, man, I, I, I feel, I feel compat. Like I'm, I'm sorry that you're, that that's your existence, that you have to be like, if you, if you feel so consumed by that, like that must be suffering. Mm -hmm. Like that must be suffering, you know, it's, 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 it's sad in, in, in a way. And it's like, I think that like, I don't want to suffer and I, and I would prefer it if, other people weren't suffering mm-hmm. as well because I think it would be a much more enjoyable experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it feels like a lot of like recreating the energy that you're fighting against. You know, recreating the energy that you're disavowing. You know, it's it feels like uh, similar to a parent that spanks a kid for hitting somebody. You know, it's kind of like I don't want you to hit, so I'm going to hit you to teach you not to hit other people. That's how a lot of this comes off to me. Just a lot of the things I see in general with with cancel culture and various things. And I kind of hate using those 
those terms because I don't like to put things in boxes like that. Right. But yeah. It's me just too. for the yeah. sake of like being able to communicate it easily. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you said that because I oftentimes try and avoid the sort of like uh, words of the zeitgeist, you know, Same. and talk about it in other ways to just to not really like feed that that deity. I agree. You know? <laughs> I agree. Yeah, because it gets way too easy to just like lump people into these groups and lump, you know, things that are like phenomena that are happening and put some term on it and simplify it into some cancel culture. I mean, that means a lot of different things. And there are obviously benefits to like all of these things coming to light. And maybe some of these people being shamed for some of the terrible things that they've done does have some benefit in some way. It's a necessary part of the process, obviously, or else it wouldn't be happening. But, mm-hmm. but I think there is kind of a perspective you can see where it's kind of, where you can you can sense that you know it's a fighting fire with fire in some aspect you know and it, the there's an ignoring of the fact that like a lot of this stuff isn't just people trying to be evil or people trying to ruin people's lives it's pain and suffering that's trying to be quelled through maladaptive behavior you know mm-hmm. yeah i think there's very few um people that are that wake up in the morning and just go i can't wait to do some evil today yeah most of the time they think they're doing good yep yeah yeah but listen jacob this has been uh incredible conversation uh i really enjoyed it i think we should do it again definitely um and uh yeah anything else what's going on with you right now maybe we can end on more of a kind of a positive personal note yeah there is one um what's going on with me well summer's kind of starting to come to an end here in minnesota it's not ended yet but there's some crispness in the air which sounds like a bruce springsteen <laughs> which summer's coming to an end. which means uh my honeybees are close to uh being ready to probably take some honey from them i just harvested oh, some nice. propolis from them the other day so it's my first year doing it and it's been a pretty cool journey so you're doing the thing that I dream of. Doing. Yeah, I'm trying. I always say that. <laughs> I always say I'm gonna I'm gonna move to the woods in a cabin and grow and make honey. So so you you got bees, you got a thing going on yep. there. That's and you just started doing this. That's amazing. Yeah, it was kind of a last minute deal. I found a dude who had had a. I was kind of late to the get going in the season, but I found a guy who actually or already had a hive going, and he was willing to to sell it to me. Um, you know, in the in the early summer, late spring. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to, to watch them and just like, they're amazing creatures. Yeah. I had a bunch out in the garden the other day from, uh, mint plants that I didn't, um, trim and they're just all over. And I just, I just sat there and watched them do their thing. And I was like, man, these are cool. little. Yeah. You got to get into it, dude. Um, I will. But yeah, other than that, I'm trying, I've kind of been on a podcast hiatus, but I've been scheduling a couple guests and uh, hoping to have some, I think, uh, Ray Archuleta, this really cool regenerative agriculture guy. I think I'm going to have him on soon and some other stuff. Hopefully that'll be pretty cool. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. Cool. Where, where did you uh, hear? I'm always curious to see what where people like find find people, so to speak. I mean, yeah. Do you have any like websites, resources? So that you, that you look at and 
Charles Eisenstein kind of turned me on to regenerative agriculture through uh, his book, Climate, A New Story, which is a uh-huh. great book. And he talks about... I just got it. Yeah. It's really good. He talks about Gabe Brown. Gabe Brown is kind of like one of the godfathers of regenerative agriculture. And so through that, I got Gabe Brown's book. And Gabe Brown talks about Ray Archuleta a lot. And so then I subscribed to this podcast called the Regenerative Agriculture Podcast, which gets pretty deep into like straight up farming stuff. But I just find it interesting and Ray Archuleta was on there, and he's just a beautiful guy, like, talking about, you know, a lot of this regenerative agriculture stuff is so awesome. Like, a lot of the tenants are about how nature is more collaborative than it is uh, competitive. And it gets into a lot of the themes that we've been talking about through this of, like, harmony and abundance. And the whole idea is not about, like, you're not killing the job of a person who's trying to grow food in harmony with nature is not to kill all the pests and kill all the weeds and kill the fungi. It's to try to be in harmony and to use the, uh, you know, symbiotic relationships in nature to, to the highest benefit and the most biodiversity and all of that. So that stuff's been super exciting getting into regenerative agriculture and permaculture and, all of that. I haven't put much of it into practice, but it's very fascinating to learn about. So, Cool. Yeah. Well, I look forward to listening to that episode Sweet. and uh, checking more of that stuff out. So Awake, Aware, Alive, everywhere podcasts are available, right? Yep. And a lot of my stuff right now is connected to Jacob Gossel. So that's how I am on Instagram. And my website is jacobgossel.com. But yeah, the podcast is Awake, Aware, Alive. And I actually just bought awakeawarealive.org. So I'm probably going to turn that into a website at some point uh so yeah cool awesome well great uh hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i did till next time peace thanks jake yeah thanks man hey thanks for listening to the show i hope you guys enjoyed that as much as i did and more conversations like that to come if you want to support the show, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review. It really helps boost up the show so more people can see it, get access to the kinds of things that we're talking about, the conversations that we're having here. If you want to go a step further, you can donate as little as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash mikebrank, B-R-A-N-C. And uh, at $5 a month and more, more rewards start to kick in, like the Mikeadelic Inner Sanctum Discord chat group and much more. And go to my website, mikebrank.com. You can check out all kinds of cool stuff there. Check out Student Loan Tutor. Go to studentloantutor.com and get a free evaluation for your student loan debt. Tell them Mike Adelic sent you, Mike Brancatelli sent you. And the Charles Eisenstein course on political hope. The links are in the show description. All the links for this stuff is, are in the show description. Check that out. It's going to be a fun course. I'm going to take it. I'm really looking forward to it, especially in this, this time right now. It's an election year, and I think Charles has a lot of really good things to say about the political spectrum of, uh, of what neither side is talking about and what's important and what we should be looking at in a holistic, sacred, and spiritual way that serves life and that we, you know that we can become agents of change. So go check that out. Fifty percent off uh, the Charles Eisenstein course on political hope. Everything is in the show description. And thanks to Danny Barnett and Galaxia for the music. Peace.